Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, brought to you by the Sportsman Channel. All hunting, all fishing, all the time. Contact your local network provider and ask about the Sportsman Channel today. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Christian Berg. Welcome back to another episode of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting. I'm your host, Editor Christian Berg, and as always, we're happy that you've taken some time out of your day to listen and get some of the latest and greatest bow hunting information. Today's guest is no stranger to the archery world. Uh, those of you who are uh, serious about your bow hunting and uh, human odor management have no doubt heard of uh, Scentlock and probably even uh, worn some of their clothing over the years. And we're happy to welcome Greg Sesselman, the president of Scentlock, to Peterson's Bow Hunting Radio. Thanks, Greg, for taking some time out of your day to be with us. Well, thanks a lot for you too, Christian. You guys do a great job at Peterson's. They've been great friends and supporters of Scentlock from the beginning of time with us since back in 1992 when we started this. Yeah, man, it's been uh, coming up on two decades, and uh, I understand that you are just uh, sort of getting your bags packed here to head out, out, out of town on an elk hunt, huh? I am. I'm so fired up. About 14 years ago, I drew a tag in Arizona and had one of the most incredibly magical hunts. Uh, we had the bugle going every morning and every night, and they are just majestic animals. And if any of you guys haven't gone elk hunting yet, you just got to do it. It's it's Even if you don't go hunting, just be out there in those hills in September when them things are squealing. It's it's incredible. And, and I get to go back now. I had nine points uh, developed, and a friend of mine out there had uh, 13, and he shared some with me. We both settled on 11, and thankfully we, we drew. And so I get to go back to Arizona. I'm out in Unit 27, which is between the reservation and the New Mexico border, just uh, the unit south of uh, uh, Zone 1 where I was the first time. So I know there's big elk out there, and I'm I'm really fired up. Well, that's awesome, man. I wish you the best of luck, and I'm going to tell you something right now. When you kill your nice bull, Greg, I want you to email a photo over to me and a few details of the hunt so we can put that up on on our blog so that people can you know get a look at it and uh see how you made out in arizona i'll be glad to i don't know if you know christian i was almost going to be notorious for elk hunt and i uh well, i yeah, started actually... i started out there kind of oh you got that's, that's right. right you wrote that you guys you, published that article on right. my one for 19 right and, you were uh, actually on the cover of our september <laughs> 2009 issue it was the oh, end of your goodness, fif- yeah. 15 year elk quest Yes, you guys did a great job telling that story. It was, it was, and it has been an elk quest. But now that I got that one, they're going to start flopping around all over me. I broke through their 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 safety shield. That's right, man. Well, you know, and for folks who read that article, you know, not because we wouldn't want to indict Scentlock, you know, uh, this was not by lack of opportunity that it took you. Oh no, years. no, those those were shots on animals. That wasn't me being in the field and seeing them way downrange or anything. No, these were these were these were close enough to to kill, and I only had three of those uh, shots on them. With uh, I had one with maybe two with a muzzleloader and one with a rifle. The rest of them were all bow shots, and, you know, a couple of them were inside of eight yards. I'm telling you, I can shoot a prairie dog at 60 yards with my bow, you know, but I, I couldn't hit the broad side of the barn if it looked like an elk out there, you know, until now. Now I'm on it. 
I'm not afraid anymore. I'm stone cold Steve Austin now. Hey, I'm telling (laughs) you something, Greg. You know, we've been having a a sermon series at church lately. The pastor's been talking about how it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So you had a rough start to your elk hunting career, but you're looking for a long, strong finish, man, and it's going to continue in Arizona. Uh, Even those misses I cherish, you know, I I, I don't regret a thing that happened to me. I think some of those misses made me uh, more famous than I would have been if I would have got them, you know, and and uh, with without without having got them, but had it on video, people saw it and they and they felt really bad for me, a hundred percent. You know, the, if I would have got it, you know, maybe somebody would have been jealous or something like that, and not felt, you know, not not. Pre- I had a hundred percent people on my side when I missed that day. Thing I can tell you. Well, man, if, there, if there's any ever anybody who deserved a good bull, you know, you, it was you, and you got one. So I it think was. you're right, man. You got the momentum now. So you just got to keep it going. Hey, right. listen, I, I want to jump into something else real quick. Something that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, is not the most fun thing for you to talk about. But just of late, Scentlock has been in the news, maybe for a reason that you'd prefer otherwise. But there, there was this lawsuit and a decision that came down. And I've seen some buzz, you know, on the Internet and, and chat rooms and things like this about Scentlock losing a, a lawsuit. And I want to give you an opportunity to address that so that people understand exactly what went down here. Uh, there was a ruling, but it really had more to do with, with advertising and, and the way that you guys were promoting uh, your product more so than the effectiveness of, of your technology or, you know, the effectiveness well, I can, of, of I, activated carbon, Greg. Right. Christian, I can tell you, we we can hold our head up high. We can hold our chests up and our chin out. We we did nothing wrong. What what The only thing we lost in this thing was the use of the word eliminate because the judge ruled in this case that can only mean one thing in its in its derivatives elimination eliminating eliminator they all must mean one thing and that is 100% elimination well this industry you know we're we're novice even though we came out in 1992 when we came out there was a there was a plethora of odor eliminating sprays and soaps in the industry and so when we came out with our clothing we called it odor eliminating clothing and it and that's what it's been ever since mm-hmm. but in this ruling the judge says odor eliminating without a qualifier uh can't be used and so i'm concerned except for we we feel we have an exceptionally strong case in appeal uh, and that'll get overturned, and we'll do that on behalf of all the other sprays and soaps and products in this industry that use the word as we all know it used, and that is it eliminates a bunch of stuff there, and it's going to get you closer to your game, and and that's all we've ever tried to uh, uh, get across to everybody. Yeah, yeah, and I actually so that's what any, that's what the sprays say. That's what you know. So we we've said nothing more than them. It just is we were. Uh, it's it's not like all of us were racing down the highway breaking the law, mm-hmm. and they just pulled me out of the out of the middle of that group and said you're breaking the law and so are they. We just haven't caught them yet. No, sir. It's more like all of us racing down the road at a speed with no speed limit, and then them sticking a new speed sign up. And then picking me out and saying, "Okay, now that that new sign's up, you're the you're the guy we caught, and those other guys are 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 breaking the law too. You know, we just haven't caught them yet." Well, 
that poses incredible risk to everybody in this industry that makes sprays or soaps or washes or clothing or whatever it is, and it poses an enormous risk to Procter and Gamble, and in you know Clark Palmolive. Heck, there's odor eliminating paint. There's all you know it's all over the bathroom and it's in your it's in your personal hygiene products. I've got odor eliminating Palmolive dish soap on my sink. So. These, this is all the potential that the, these lawyers have to get after, you know, if, if we don't appeal, you know, everybody ought to send that uses ought to send us a check to, to help us on the appeal process because, you know, we're carrying the load on that right now. So, yeah. And we did nothing wrong. And, and when the, the appeals court sees how this word is used just in our industry, forget how it's used in the rest of the world. It's it. He said the law is, and it's very clear. Once a word has more than one definition, you can't hold it literally anything. And and clearly, if you Google it up, there's like ninety-seven million eight hundred thousand hits on the word eliminate. Do all of those expect one hundred percent? I don't think so. And I don't think anybody that has used sprays or anything else has ever expected that. I've never said that personally. We had one ad in since 1992 that used the word 100%, and it was a connotation of talking about the, the, that carbon is the universal absorbent, and there's not a known odorant that it doesn't absorb. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were talking Not about that it eliminated. I mean, we got our eye pockets open. Okay, so of course we never expected 100% odors coming off you. What we've done—it's crazy that it's you know come down to a, a law review of a word everybody uses and and we're to be made guilty about it. All we've ever did is come into this market as scientists, as a as a as a research developer in an alternative market. Uh, I started to tell you before when we were talking, you know, in in the late 80s. I was still a right-hand shooter. I was, uh, uh, and I'm a left-eye dependent guy. I've since switched. Uh, of course, the technology of bows and tuning of bows and everything has come so far since that time. We were still finger shooters. I had an outer limit of, you know, 15 yards, 18 yards that I trusted myself at. I skipped a 140-class buck that was out at 25 yards one time because it was too far out. Mm. Well, I started with all the scent covers like acorn scents and, and skunk scents and things like that and to the point where I had squirrels tracking me up trees. But I, I wasn't, it was like, you know, the, it's like you smelling driving down the road with a pizza in your truck, bringing it home. It smells good, smells great in the cab, but all of a sudden you come by a dead skunk in the road. You can still smell your pizza and you can smell that skunk. And so that's how I felt the deer were sifting me through these cover scents. Mm-hmm. So I started getting into uh, scent elimination and to, you know eliminating as many odors as I could on me, not a hundred, you know, tw- tending toward a hundred percent as I could. Right, and you and said at the, I, at, at the time, Greg, you you were working in the automotive industry and actually doing research and development for filtration systems, and that's where you kind of stumbled. Right, I was. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a of using I'm a, carbon, yeah, for for odor elimination. Right, I'm a materials engineer, and I and I uh, started, and I was in research and development in aerospace and automotive, and and I was in the uh, automotive company, and they owned a filter division that made all the automatic transmission filters in the world, but they had no growth. 
they assigned me to Dublin their sales in three to five years, carte blanche, any kind of filtration. And we looked at microporous membrane filtration. And one of the filters we were working on was a dry cleaning filter who uses, who used to use uh, beds of clay, fluidized beds of clay and carbon where the clay would filter the lint and dirt out and the carbon would pull the odors and the dyes out and they could recycle and reuse that because the fluid they used is quite a carcinogen and they've got to keep it in the house. You know, they don't want to send it out on the street for cleansing. So they had this mini recycle mill, and we were going to make cartridge-style filters that had paper media on the outside to pull the dirt and the lint out and carbon on the inside uh, to pull the odors and the dyes out. And I learned all about carbon and how it is the universal adsorbent and all these other industrial-type applications and what kinds of carbon uh, you could acquire for different applications and things. And so I learned a lot about carbon. And uh, and so I was a bow hunter, and I started already telling you guys a story about how I was a finger shooter and had to be close. And and here brings me to this: I was using and successfully using uh, baking soda and spray scent eliminators. And I'm telling you, I'd powder myself, strip to buck naked, and powder myself and spray myself, and my pow- my my clothing just dusted away with all the baking soda I had in it, and never wear under layers twice and and things and uh my skin had dry out by end of season by all that powder on me and things it was it was crazy but it was getting me a lot closer to animals mm. and so comes my research and i'm done learning all this stuff and and they had just been at that time coming out with those uh consumer uh video cameras and we got one because my daughter was born and things that time. And, and we had one of those. And a buddy of mine and I were going to go out in August and kind of videotape some of these bachelor bucks out there in the alfalfa fields and stuff. And uh, so I uh, got all my stuff together. There it was, not too torn up. Looks like it was going to make another season. And said, got to get myself 20 boxes of baking soda in that spray scent eliminator. And dang, wouldn't that be neat to have the, a soup made out of carbon? And wham! I mean, in that moment, I saw, you know, I saw it in underwear and mid-layer and outer layer and accessories and, and it being known like Realtree and Mossy Oak and, you know, I saw Bubba's, you know, wanting to kiss me for coming up with this stuff. I saw it all in that one split moment because I was on. I am one of them Bubba's that would have kissed me for coming up with this thing, you know, because I had learned about carbon and its potential. Right. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I started doing a lot of experimentation, and I did not want to fool myself. So I'd take spray scent eliminators and everything else, and, and, and I would saturate three layers of poly cotton to dripping with them and allow them to dry and stuff. And, and then I'd use these samples of different carbon fabrics I was able to acquire. And, uh, and we'd do these smell tests that uh, I, I contacted the perfumes and fragrance industry, and they said, well, you could pay me a lot of money to do some technical stuff, but here's how we do it. And we get a bunch of non-smoking females, and we, they got great snoots on them, and we line them up and, you know, just see what they say when you do this. And so, and so I started time zero with seven jars, benign jars sitting there all looking the same, and can you smell anything there? Nope, 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 nope. And then five minutes, nope, nope. Yeah, a little bit of something here, a little bit of something here. Nope, nope. Ten minutes and then an hour and two hours. Well, within an hour and a half, 
Uh, my eyebrows were raised. I holy cow, do we got something here. By then, the the sprays were saturated through. The baking soda was saturated through. These things were reeking, and the carbon was holding the stuff. Well, so it was late that night. I went to bed. I got up the next morning, walked out. My garage smelled like the perfume I had in all these jars. I take a big, I go, I grab them all. I go outside in my backyard so I could get fresh air. Take a big breath and. I happened to start with a carbon jar, and I smell the outside, and I couldn't smell anything, and I pull the fabric off. There was rubber band on the jar, and I smell the backside, and nothing there. I think to myself, well, I'll just keep doing this until this saturates. I'll try the same sample on another test and just keep going. And, you know, when I stick my nose in the jar, and I smell, and I go, dang, there's nothing in this jar. I left this test on too long. Well, I grabbed one of the other jars, and they had been stinking like crazy, and all the stink was all over my garage, and I figured it all had migrated for sure out of them out of the garage and did that same test with the fabric. Oh, Jesus, it stunk. It sunk so bad I just threw this fabric swatch in the garbage because I didn't think I'd ever get that deodorized from the perfume that was in it. And I stuck my nose in the jar, and my head wanted to explode because there was still so much stink in that jar, and my eyeballs popped out of my head. I went... Oh my gosh, this didn't only just block the odor, it literally sucked all the odor out of this jar. I'm going, oh my gosh, do I got something here, you know? And so then it was, of course, a lot of development time in, in, in fashioning a suit out of something and, and um, you know, branding work and patent work and all these things I was learning when you do product development and business development and these other industries I worked in. So I had a lot of good skill and, and experience in that stuff, vendor development and stuff like that. Well, all of you guys know that wore scent lock along the line. You know, it started out with a beaded product that was just pajamas, and we, we started to develop that and perfect that. And then we, we came domestic with a, with a fabric because we found Milliken, a company here in the United States, and made fabrics and things, and, and they, they made good world. But it was a little bit of a step back the first year with them until we finally developed a, a much better process with them. And, and started coming around with them and you know now it's uh you know it's everywhere it's got to be and to give the very finest of fabrics and the very finest of technologies now christian we test our stuff at the same places that general motors and general electric and ford and in these companies do it's called intertech testing it's an international testing firm to do our validation testing and that's a qualification test that you do for any new products in any industry really is validation testing that means extreme testing really hot really cold really high concentrations you know long duration you know all that kind of stuff so we do we do a rigorous amount of testing through to failure of our fabrics uh, before they ever come close to getting into the first field test mm -hmm. uh, through these guys. Yeah, we and uh, you, you know, along those same lines, what's interesting is, uh, you know, Mike Andrews, uh, your VP of marketing, had provided some information to me uh, just recently uh, about some testing that was done, you know, even as part of, uh, you know, the suit that you were involved in at Rutgers University oh, yeah. and talking about taking, you know, human odor at like 1,000 times normal concentration. 10,000 and a million times. And, was, there was concentrations, incredibly high concentrations. And, and, and it actually showed that the uh, that activated carbon was still absorbing, you know, 96 
to ninety nine percent of of the odors. And and at you know, 10, at, this was at ten thousand times, and this is in our base layers suit. So take the you know, let's bring that to home. A guy has say forty acres to hunt regularly on. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't really want another guy in that field with him. It's going to booger up his hunting. He doesn't, I don't even like a camera guy around me because I think he's going to booger my hunt. But now take, imagine that guy having a thousand guys, this is your number, 10,000 or a million, imagine 10,000, like just a, the a million times, they, <laughs> the, 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 plaintiffs, the plaintiffs tested to 11 million times human odor concentration, 11 million, and it was still absorbing over 48% of those odors. And so it's at, at incredibly high concentrations, this stuff is working. And it can be reactivated in a dryer. And so, uh, so it's 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 a it's a great product. It's it's proven itself well. I've never wanted anybody to insinuate that our stuff eliminates a hundred percent of all odors. What we wanted to do is eliminate so much that you could. And I've had this personally, and I get testimony all the time. And we've had virtually no. I mean, I mean, way substantially less than one percent returns. Uh, in our career since 1992, we've had less than that in, in returns. And so we know this stuff is working well into the expectation of the consumer. You know, we did a big survey during this case, and that showed an incredibly high uh, percentage of people that were very satisfied or satisfied, and in, 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 a, in a negligible number of people that were dissatisfied. Yeah, you know, what and, the, and those numbers were extremely high and low, respectively, versus normal surveys like for Coca-Cola or Pepsi or these things. The survey experts said those were were very high satisfaction numbers and extremely low dissatisfaction numbers. So we're pleased with our design development. And it, and it and you could put more carbon. I can put more carbon in. But we've developed over time through the feedback we get from the field and our pros and us ourselves as hunters, you know, and I'm a Joe hunter and i got to satisfy me who's a critical Joe hunter. Mm-hmm. And I, I want it to be value and at first i says if it's only going to be as good as sprays it's got to be worth at that time a pair of 200 dollars pajamas you know it's got to be worth 200 dollars worth of spray well you know we proved that it because of through its reactivation it could last a couple of years and stuff that it goes you know i'd spend that in a year of of hunting as a is that much spray right I still use a lot of spray, you know, and stuff like that on my gear and my accessories and in my hands and my boots and stuff like that. You don't drop off your old program when you go on to, to higher technology. You just add to it. I still wash myself. I still spray myself. I still spray my accessories. I want to, I, I don't know that the next time I go, and in fact, I expect that it is going to be the time that the big boy comes by and it's not going to be a favorable condition and I got to I got to it's got to test my skill and he's going to test my capabilities and he's going to use every sense he's got to to survive I've I've got to be ready for that moment right. and that's yeah. all we try to do Yeah I think that's a good point Kurt, because you know it was something that I had some neat conversations with last year uh, I was talking to David Forbes from Hunter Specialties and he kind of explained it in a very similar way to what you just said which is you know scent elimination is 
is a recipe. You know, when there's a lot of ingredients there. And that doesn't mean that if you leave out, you know, if you're making an apple pie and you leave out one ingredient, that doesn't mean that you won't pull something out of the oven that you can still eat. But mm-hmm. it's not going to taste as good as it ought to. And it's yeah. kind of the same thing with scent elimination. You know, you can do nothing or you can go, you know, totally hog wild using Change every, your diet. every product yeah. that's out I've there. I've got pros that eat cardboard, you know. They won't yeah. let their wife have any perfume or soaps that smell in their whole house. No cigarettes. Anybody that smokes, they'll leave them on the step. Yeah. And, and you know, just, just for a, re- a real world anecdote, I had shared with... Uh, this with you earlier when we were talking you know for folks who you know who might be skeptical about the whole carbon thing and and as i said it's not a perfect analogy because it's not scent lock clothing but you know there's a there's obviously a number of activated carbon type products on the scent market today and uh you know i had told you about a basically what it was was a hunter safety system you know tree stand harness that I had Mm -hmm. gotten brand new, you know, out of the package. And, I mean, you know as well as anybody what sort of brand new fabric, you know, kind of smells like. You know, it smells like the the store rack, you know. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just took some activated carbon powder that, uh, you know, I had like in a little container and and, and dumped some into a five-gallon bucket with some water and stirred it around and basically made gray water and, Uh you know, dipped that vest into the water and right. took it out, hung it up to dry. And when that thing dried, that vest smelled like absolutely nothing. I mean, and it was, oh, you know, incredible it's, stuff. It, it's it, unbelievable. It's a, it's a totally, there's a, fo- there's a football field in less than a spoonful of surface area and adsorption with a D is a surface, a surface phenomenon. Yeah. You have, that's so, what, you've got to explain that to us, Greg is, you know, in layman's terms, how, you know, if you look at these carbon, you know, pieces of carbon, basically, that are in your clothing under a microscope, I guess. There's so many nooks and crannies. That's how it, it would It would look like a sponge over. almost on the outside, but as you go toward the core of that sponge, it, it would it would branch off into branches that, are like a tree branches, it goes to smaller branches off the main and then smaller still branches off of that with even smaller still branches off of that, and that's how... When you take a carburizing type element and you carbonize it, it's a burned in a, a, a nitrogen-rich environment with not very much oxygen in there. Elsewise, it would powder just like the charcoal in your in your when you're grilling. But when you burn it in a in an oxygen depleted environment, it can burn and create in this enormous porosity uh, in each particle. Uh, we are we we sieve to the to a particular particle size that you'd literally have to crush each individual particle to get it to sift through the fabric weaving. So so we pick a particle big enough not to go through the fabric, but not so big that you feel it in the in you, you know if you if you rub it on your elbow or something against a hard plate. Mm-hmm. And there's a balance there, and we use the we use a coconut shell carbon, uh, as opposed to say a uh, uh, you know a, a diatomaceous earth or, a, or a, like a, a you know um, yeah that doesn't wood or sugar cane or something. A... We use we use coconut <laughs> shell, which is that has the greatest right size pore yeah. size for human odors. Right. 
Yeah, that's and, and, so that, and that that sort of all gets above me, you know, and some of those terms that you were using. But but scientifically, it, it, we're on, buddy. We're on it. Oh, from I, the yeah, yeah. I, be, I believe you, man. Saying. But but what I was going to ask is, you know, for the dummies like me who are listening, you know, so I've got that coconut shell carbon in the, yeah. in, in the suit, and I'm sitting there in the tree stand, and it's a hot day, and I'm sweating, or mm-hmm. maybe I'm uh, eating a. A sandwich up there even though i shouldn't be or whatever mm-hmm. um what what how does that that carbon actually ad, ad, absorb the odor is it a is it absorbing gases is it solids a, what makes okay. the stink what's what's in your breath coming out is a you're 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 you have dynamic production and 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 you know more passive production of odors passively it's still dynamic but much more relatively passively than your breath you're sweating and you're even when you're not sweating your pores are breathing and they're continuously putting out uh whatever's coming out of your pores you know that in and whatever you've picked up there's odors that you produce your body produces amino acids hormones uh uh, uh, all kinds of odors that are, are related to bacterias. That's why an antimicrobial uh, next to your skin is a, is a viable product because it can reduce the number of bacteria that, that live and, and, and die and excrete and create some of the odors off the body. But um, antimicrobials can't do anything to an odor once generated. That's where the carbon uh, kicks in huge is because odors that are generated, whether it's gasoline odors that you have on your hands over here, you know, or re- residual odors on your underclothes because you, you ate at the, the diner going out there, those odors that are existing when they attempt to pass through the, the scent lock products it it has it absorbs into the carbon and that whether you're sweating you're you can be sweating profusely and you think well gee whiz my odor's got to be going through here well your odor is being filtered it's literally a body filter is what you're wearing and just like an oil filter in your car it's flushing a whole lot of fluid through but in each flush it's pulling out the particulates mm-hmm. uh it's just like a gas filter in a in those 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 filters that for painters and 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 for people in in death zones where gases are are, are toxic they wear a painter's mask that's simply a, a carbon filter there okay and that carbon saves your life breathing through that mask by filtering out those odors does exactly only a hundred percent only a hundred percent of those odors get filtered uh, you know, it depends on how new that filter is. Depends on the concentration. Depends on how long that guy's standing there. Well, you know, yeah, and that, and there's that, too many dependent things there. Okay, well, and, and that, same that also, thing with our guys. You yeah. know, is my guy going to reactivate it daily or weekly or monthly? You know, is he going to store it on the floor? Is he going to store it in a container? Is he going to wear his head cover? You know, well, that's what I was that, going to say, Greg. Is it brings <laughs> us to that whole idea of basically capacity? You know, I was. Another interesting analogy I got from that information from Mike was was a sponge analogy. You know, if you take a regular, you know, dishwashing sponge and mm-hmm. stick it in the wa- underwater, it's going to absorb 
all the water that it can, you know. Mm -hmm. And once it's completely saturated, you know, if you pull it up from under the water, a couple drips are probably going to drip out of it, you know, when you pull it up because it's almost oversaturated. Or let me, let me, if you don't mind, Christian, let me go with that. Here's, yeah. here, here's the sponge analogy. You can take one of the crispy little skinny little ones that come right from the store, has zero moisture in it other than the atmospheric moisture, and there's a big spill on the table. Okay, you put that bone dry thing against there and you start sponging up that thing and it absorbs a whole bunch and you dump some more water on there and it absorbs a whole bunch and you dump some more water. Eventually, it saturates. It pulls so much that it's got all it can capacitize. Mm -hmm. And now you pick that thing up and that thing is heavy and laden with water. Mm -hmm. Now on the reactivation side analogy, you take that ring, that thing saturated to, you know, to dripping, and you go over the sink and you squeeze it, you squeeze it by your hand just one time, all right, a little bit. Now you can go back and absorb a whole bunch more, mm -hmm. okay. Even though you just squeezed it with your hand, now you could go back, saturate it again over that thing and really wring that thing out. I mean, squeeze it through a squeegee. Okay, and it would it would go back and it would absorb more than it was that you just squeezed out. But it doesn't mean you got to squeeze a hundred percent of it out of there for it to absorb again. Right. The point is, is that a thirty-minute run in the dryer isn't quite as good as an hour in the dryer, but it's enough to get you through it. You know, it, it will do work. And and we don't purport that a hundred percent of those odors are desorbed. I can't tell you all the odors that are out there. There's thousands of odors out there. There's countless hundreds that come from the human body alone. What's and their the... concentrations change dramatically depending on our diet and our health and all kinds of, you know, locality or our DNA. Lots of things affect that. What's the difference, Greg, between ab, AB, absorbing something and ad, AD, adsorbing something? Okay. With a B absorb is what sponges do and that's that skinny little sponge starts out really crispy and and it's brittle and you put it in a bunch of water and it swells up it changes its physical state it changes its physical nature it's it's not as strong you could tear it a lot easier that's absorb there's a physical change to the structure of the absorbent adsorb with a d there is no physical change. So it that carbon just continues to absorb and absorb, but it doesn't swell up. It doesn't get soft. It doesn't change its physical nature. It just absorbs until it saturates, and then you got to desorb it to, to get it uh, ready to absorb some more of that element. Amazingly, it can absorb, it can saturate in one element and continue to absorb a whole bunch of other elements because of that pore structure nature that I was talking to you about earlier. The difference. That's size. why it's, yeah. it's 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 queer to say that you know I can filter water with carbon, I can filter, I can purify solvents with carbon. Now, how do I do that? How come the water in that carbon, I mean that solvent, doesn't saturate? that carbon and not allow it to absorb well it does immediately it's you know uh, when it's in that liquid state saturate that pore size and all the other ones but it's easily displaced in every pore size in that carbon by one molecule that fits in that place better than it right. it's like a small marble 
can be in the inside of a bowl and can be there, but as soon as a big basketball goes in there, that little marble is going to be pushed to another another position. Right. So the and it, once yeah. that little marble falls down a series of paths until it's you know it's touching the wall several places, its molecules are more like a piece of spaghetti than they are like a marble. Okay, in in volatile elements that like gas fumes they go straight to the air those volatile molecules are typically very short pieces of spaghetti and simple pieces of spaghetti and as you get more complex molecules they get longer and as you get more complex molecules they start sticking it they're long molecules that stick to each other kind of like spaghetti when it starts drying out if you don't put oil or butter on it mm-hmm. you know it sticks together and that's and that's like a plastic Okay, your monofilament on your fishing line is is almost like a liquid. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's long polymer chains, and that's just like a human odor, except it's much more longer and complex. It's you know millions of molecular weight instead of just hundreds or thousands or something like that. But nonetheless, it's like spaghetti, and a and a short piece of spaghetti will find its way into a small hole, where a long piece of spaghetti will find its home in a bigger hole. Right. So the secret to the the magic of the carbon is the fact that every single one of these little carbon particles that you've impregnated into the fabric, they have so many hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of different sizes and shapes of holes on their surface that they can absorb or adsorb you know, hundreds and thousands of different kinds of odors, basically. That's right. And in, in, in any temperature above zero degrees Kelvin where there's no molecular motion, above that there is molecular motion, and the higher the temperature goes, there's more molecular motion. And that's why we wear these things that, you know, the operating temperatures of, you know, some poor guy's got to hunt in 100 degrees, but most of us hunt in the 50 to, to minus, you know, 10 degrees or something temperature range that's the application temperature your dryer is 160 degrees plus so there's so it'll drive all those the energy that's put in in your dryer is enough to move a lot of molecules around and they bounce out of the carbon Mm -hmm. for the reactivation so that when it cools back down to your 80 degree or in less operating temperature there's a whole bunch of opened up capacity to absorb again so how many times do you think you can do that before you need to get a new suit well it really uh we test our products we recommend people only wash their products when it's soiled and maybe once a year unless it's base layers and you just feel like you you sweated it up so much that you're going to wash it only three times a year but uh and we ask you to reactivate the stuff in the dryer at least once every 40 hours of, of field use. You can do it. In, if that thing's dry, you can throw it in the dryer and tumble that thing, and there's there's very, very little degradation. Uh, at the beginning of time, uh, we if you washed our early suits, the carbon would migrate, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, now our carbon is, is embedded in there mechanically and stuff in a way that, like I said, you got to break down each individual particle for any migration to occur in, in the in the in the life when we tested from zero to twenty washes in our validation testing. Mm-hmm. There, different fabrics have different 
uh, test results, and that's why we test everything to failure, and we test everything at 0, 1, 5, 10, and 20 wash cycles so we can see the life cycle of a curve fast. And washing, tumbling it in a washing machine, it wet, and it gets it heavy, and then it goes in the dryer heavy, and it gets beat up. That's, that's rough on any clothes where a dry suit going into a dryer can tumble and just, you know, it has very little weight, and so it does no real damage. And that's what we really advise is frequent heat reactivations, less frequent washer, re, uh, washer and dryer reactivation cycles. But as it stands, you know, these, the, the, the carbon is effective in this stuff uh, through the virtually the life of the product. You know, when your clothes breaks down, the carbon still is uh, out there working. And I'm shocked to hear from some of my customers that bought them many, many years ago. They're still using them with, with effectivity. And, and so I'm proud of that. But, uh, you know, I, you know, everything has a life and, and, and certainly, uh, you know, our newer stuff is, we had great stuff back then. Our new stuff is better. And, and we really have developed through that testing, a life testing, some carbon sample fabrics, you can get huge concentrate, like take a, take a your furnace filter. We can, we have a process that you can apply a glue and put it through a duster and get enormous amounts of carbon in that stuff. And, and it carries much more carbon than we carry in our product now. Mm-hmm. But it sheds out of there fast. It washes out of there fast. It's a heavy element. It's not required. And we have determined that because of our return rates way back in, I want to say, like 98 or so, i got to say i got a dozen suits returned. And that's too many, even though I sent thousands and out that year. That was, I wanted to talk to everybody that ever had an issue personally and see what the deal was and what went wrong. And, and so I could develop my product, make it better, make it done. I don't want that dozen, you know. Mm-hmm. And we took those samples and we tested those samples as returned and we said, oh, that's the absorption level. Let's, you know, and here it is as new. Okay, it worked as new. Here's it where it's not working. We'll, we'll take that number right there and call it that you know three times that number is going to be our new minimum standard you know and we established that as when we wouldn't accept a product that didn't meet that standard and our our returns dropped from 12 to like nothing you know for and you know one you know and our my my units went up in thousands and thousands a year and my returns were nothing you know mm-hmm. and so so we made a good move and since then our process has been developed so I can you know, I could set that specification at five or six times that number in in my my products that go to the field, including my thinnest products like my base layers and stuff. Those would 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 still pass our validation at that. So there's an enormous amount of carbon in there. It's put in there, and it'll last the life of the garment. It is by all by every you know, every expert says that's the best and most universal absorbent out there and uh i ask phds on all sides of the water every time you know is there something on the horizon that's better because if it's going to happen it's going to come through scentlock i can promise you that you know we innovated it we invented it first and then we continuously innovate it and 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 through excellent feedback from industry pros uh, yourself, we've had Phil Phillips and Lee and Tiffany and, and a host of other ones, regional, local, and otherwise, you know, nationally recognized ones, 
people that are recognized as the as the top of the pyramid, the A A guys, the ones that are influential to the guys, you know, to all the other hunters. You know, these guys are in this technology where it's whether it's ours or our tech, our our competitors, they're using it. They got their camera guys in it. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. helps them. They got a lot of work. You know, it is. You know, you got to perform. Try to you know, it's what all you guys out there in Radio Land don't understand. Christian's working when oh, he's out there killing well, something. He's work. I'll tell you what, this is all hard work, Greg. And, and, <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you talked about innovation because, you know, I really enjoyed what we've talked to up to this point. I think that that's been a, you know, a pretty instructive conversation, you know, not only for myself, but hopefully for everyone who's listening to get, you know, a little bit of an overview of exactly how this stuff works, why it works, the fact that it does work. And yes, you know, by your own, you know, admission, it's not by, you know, by the very nature of the carbon and the way it works, it does have a saturation point. It doesn't necessarily give you a hundred percent, but as we said, you know, we're hunters. Is, we want to get close to beer. Exactly. You want to get about close, lawyers and stuff like that. We just want to get close. And, and, and I'm a Joe hunter. It's the value has to be there. It's got to be worth it. Okay. And it's, you know, you can see it's about a $40 upcharge to get your carbon into a, in, into the, into a product over a regular product. It's, you're not buying a $150 jacket. You're buying a $110 jacket with $40 worth of carbon technology built into it. That's, that is a via, very valuable technology. Christian, nobody has ever had to sue us. And nobody's ever had to sue Cabela's or Gander Mountain or Bass Pro. All of them have got a return policy that everybody's aware of. We've we put it on every product that goes to the field for years. We put on there a, a, a satisfaction guarantee. There's never been a need for suing. It's it's just a it's just a lawyer thing. And so us hunters know better, and us hunters know what to expect, and us hunters don't expect a hundred percent. Us hunters expect to get closer to our game and to have more success. Into in into have less animals of any kind. I don't want any critter to know I'm there. Right. Well, okay. You talk, that's you, you talk about getting closer, and that was the other thing I wanted to talk about. You know, technology and getting closer is Scentlock is branching out now, and taking your carbon, you know, scent uh, technology, and now you've got a couple of your own camo patterns that you're sort of partnering with that to again enhance the ability to you know be invisible and get closer to game talk to me a little bit about the new vertigo patterns that you guys have this year well i gotta tell you real tree and mossy oak are kings of patterns and and they're the king of 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 camouflage and and we respect that but um what we we as hunters ourselves uh, and not living in the south where where the vegetation uh, blows off of our trees fairly early in our hunting season, we we felt that we needed more lightness, more more of the negative space, the sky portion uh, of camouflage instead of the ground and and, and leaves and vegetative 
portions of the camouflage mixed in. We needed that vegetation, but we needed some of that negative space, the sky there, because most of us are whitetail hunters. Most of us stand in tree stands and things. Mm-hmm. And and so so we try to get, and, and I feel that human silhouette that is defined by your shoulders and your head. And so when we innovated uh, Vertigo, we we were cutting pieces of um, mossy oak breakup and blending it in on a seam uh, with mossy oak winter pattern that they allowed us to uh, kind of gray, lightly gray-blue the, the white mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And we cut it and we forcibly made one shoulder light pattern and one shoulder dark so it killed that human silhouette and that extreme bright to dark line inside the norm normally you see a guy skylighted and you don't at a distance you don't see the detail of a print you see his silhouette Mm -hmm. and you see brightness around that silhouette and so we wanted to put a lot of brightness inside that silhouette so that at any distance you looked you saw through you, you 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 didn't see a human silhouette you saw stuff out there but it it was it was harshly broken up that human silhouette mm-hmm. i believe that it, it could be stars and moons and if toxi or bill said it was camouflage it's camouflage all right and if it breaks up your human silhouette it's effective camouflage mm-hmm. and and now ours is photorealistic up close so it's got it's got the you know realism in the leaves and the in the sticks and the in the stuff but as as you it's got it's got basic you know let's call it four or five inch dark lines next to four or five inch light lines we twisted it so that each panel whether it's a sleeve or a pant leg or something like that, it cuts through those lines mm-hmm. so that the deer going around the human silhouette would have to absolutely cross over a dark line into a light space, across into the dark, into the light, you know, to connect the dots of the human silhouette. Mm-hmm. And, and those are big spaces so that at a distance they're still distinctive. But as you get closer, there's some, there's a, there's some lighter limbs that are in the background of of these core the, these more abrupt colors that come into the view as you get closer and then if you get right on top of it three inches you know three feet away there's even a lighter layer still that you know that layer looks like it's way off in the distance but it gives it a three-dimensional appeal even up close for critters and things and it's Effectivity in the field has been phenomenal. I can't tell you how how incredible it is. I, you know, normally I try to tattoo myself to the tree when something's around, so so I'm as least of a blob as I can be. Mm-hmm. Last year we were testing this stuff, standing in bright sunny days, right out at the end of these platforms that are low. You know, I've I hunt a lot of uh, beginners and enders on my property, so I got to have really safe stands or a, a lot of really safe stands. Some of them are are still suicide stands, but, you know, I've got to have a lot of safe stands for people to get into. And and a lot of them are, are, you know, like summit ladder stands that that aren't 20 feet high, you know, they're 17 or something and and stuff and and give it every opportunity to look up and look and Mm -hmm. and sure enough, it does look, you know, and, and it passes right through you. And then I say, okay, what kind of motion can I get away with? 
helpful. It seems like we get away with more motion, even if you're if you're in the the continuous uh, earth tone, um, and you're getting away with it. As soon as you swing your arm to draw or something, it it's easier for an animal to connect the dots quickly to the human, whereas in with the light and dark space that we've got there, uh, small things are always twitching in the sky. You know, bases of trees never twitch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a small element moving uh, at, a, at a decent pace is, is not going to catch the peripheral vision of an animal as much as a big element moving you know, will catch the peripheral vision right, of an animal. Right. And, and that's what this stuff does. You know, they don't look straight at something until their peripheral vision says something's queer over there. I got I to gotta, I gotta take more focus over there. And sure. So if we keep it where we got sky and light and dark and all the elements are broken up so the human body isn't there, it's more like sticks in space, their peripheral vision doesn't pick that stuff up, and that 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 combi- combination with uh, with Scentlock is is you know just you know capital. We're we're really excited about its performance. It's and and guys yeah, you guys, get it. You it, know, it, the guys get it. They understand open space and then yeah, in the need for some open space there. You almost have to go on to the the Scentlock website, which is www.scentlock. It's S-C-E-N-T-L-O-K dot com to see some pictures of it and get a sense of what he's talking about with those light and dark areas, the positive and the negative, to just really kind of prevent that whole blob effect. And uh, actually, in addition to the main Scentlock site, I guess you guys have another site just for Vertigo, huh? It's VertigoCamo.com. I believe we do, yes. And uh, and in our and our Scentlock site also, if anybody's more interested in our science in the technology, we've got to be able to satisfy uh, the knowledge of as far up as PhDs. You know, we gotta, we can't have a chemist calling us and saying, "Aha, I gotcha," and we have never had that. We've got PhDs in that are carbon experts that wear this stuff. They think it's one of the finest applications of carbon ever, and so you're welcome to learn a lot more. You can get your PhD in human odorology, and you can get your PhD in carbon technology if you want. But if you if you just want to get close to animals and go hunting and forget all that stuff, throw on one of these things and you know follow our six steps to success and and I guarantee with our hang tag you will have a satisfaction so high that we won't we won't be talking to you about anything but your 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 positive experiences. Well, I, I tell you what, Greg. Um... You know, I've been I've been using Scentlock uh, for a number of years and uh, killed killed several deer and uh, two black bears and uh, you know have definitely had positive uh, field experiences with it. And this year I've got uh, some of that Vertigo uh, Gray uh, outfit and I'm looking forward to putting that new camo to the test and you know experiencing some of that same success that you were just talking about so we wish everybody to you know follow those good instructions that daddy ever taught them 
you know, we, we, we don't want anybody to be foolish out there. We're just trying to help them be successful. We still know everybody's down to their skill levels, and, and it's just like everything else. We, we do our best to help you be successful here, and we wish everybody an excellent year and everybody a safe year in the tree stands and stuff. And, uh, and let's go out and have some fun together sometime, Christian. Yeah, it sounds good, man. I, again, I just want to thank you for taking, you know, close to an hour of your time to be with us today, explain, you know, a little bit more about Scentlock, uh, the history of your company, the technologies that you guys have brought to the marketplace for sportsmen. And uh, again, I just want to say good luck on that Arizona elk hunt and uh, all the other adventures that you have lined up this fall. Well, I really appreciate what you guys have done there, uh, even even since you've been there with that company, Christian. Uh, you know, I want to read about how to be successful and learn more about my game and my animals, and I and I get that uh, just a ton from you guys' site and from your uh, and from your 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 rags. It's just uh, you've done a super job. It's really inviting. I, I look forward to every one of my issues. Well, I'm glad to hear it, and uh, if you stuff one into your pack, they can also double as toilet paper out. (laughs) All right, buddy. We're happy to be of use to you at any (laughs) time. Okay, we'll be sending you some shots of this monster elk I'm going to get. Come on, everybody out there. Pray for me to get a big one. Look forward to it, Greg. Have a great day. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio with editor Christian Byrne. For more information on this and other topics, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.